What's up, guys? This is the 404 Forum, the show for Atlanta sports fans to sound off on the latest in the 404 sports scene. I'm your host, Isaiah, and I'll be here to guide you through all the triumphs and the tragedies of sports around the 404. It won't always be pretty, but I can promise you it will be fun. So ATL, let's talk. What's up, guys? This is your host of the 404 Forum, Isaiah Smith, coming to you with another episode for this week. I've got my guy Eric Gould here. He is co-hosting uh, this week, going to come and talk some Atlanta Hawks, going to talk some uh, Atlanta Braves as well, uh, pitchers and catchers reporting um, last week. I think the 18th is when they reported, so just a couple of days ago. Um, but, yeah, so, Eric, thanks for being on, and thanks for uh, coming on agreeing to co-host this week. Yeah, man, it's always good to be on, always good to, to talk, always good to talk sports. For sure, for sure. Um, so we're going to let's start off by talking something that's not sports. I, you know, everyone's watching WandaVision. We love WandaVision, MCU, all that good stuff. We are friends of the show. If uh, Kevin Feige or someone like that wants to come and sit down and talk some sports and give us some hot spoilers, we'll gladly welcome him on. Any Anyone, any of those execs from Disney Marvel want to come give some spoilers on the 404 Forum. You, you film in Atlanta anyway. It's all, we're, we're on brand anyway. They film in Atlanta. We're great. Um, so, you know, super excited for the battery of shows that they have coming out. But WandaVision is here now. Um, what's your favorite WandaVision conspiracy uh, spoiler? What thought about the show that just gets you, gets you going and makes you turn it on every day? My hope and my excitement of where I see it going right now is bringing together the MC universe that we know now and X-Men just because I, I love Wolverine. And I think you see that with the, with the Quicksilver that they brought in and, and kind of tying those two together. Um, it's just, that is, is the ideal end result or end game as some would say is bringing <laughs> those two universes together. For sure. For sure. I mean, I think that's where they want to go. We, we know they're getting there. It's yeah. just a matter of how and when, and the how and when is going to be the most most fun part. They're going to get there by the end of Wandavision, um, and it's it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a cool ride. The one thing that I love is the that the director of Sword, whose name I cannot remember at this time, but the guy who's opposing Monica Rambeau and um all and and Darcy and that group, um, he is actually Ultron. I don't know how that works. How does Ultron take human form? Yada, yada, yada. But I just like it because it makes Avengers Age of Ultron so much less of a pointless movie. That's clearly the weakest link when it comes to Avengers movies. The first Avengers was really good. Like, oh, this is awesome. Endgame, um, whatever came before Endgame, those were, Infinity War, those were top-notch movies. Um, Avengers Age of Ultron, you, okay, you introduced me to some characters. Scarlet Witch played a part, or, um, you know, Wanda Maximoff played a part. Um, and then, I mean, we got Jarvis. Um, <laughs> what uh, Could we have done this without Jarvis? Probably. <laughs> um, or, um, you know, Vision, sorry, who is Jarvis. But we could have done this with Jarvis continuing to be an AI, yes. And then it's the whole idea that we can create the superhuman person or super person or whatever. And the basically coding in their system is makes them good or bad. Like Ultron was made from the exact same system as vision was vision was good. And yeah, it's a, it's a weak link for me, but (laughs) yeah, I uh, I'm excited to see if they can bring Ultron back into this considering Ultron did start in the franchise um, when um elizabeth olsen did as wanda maximoff and you have kind of in that whole storyline pietro's back allegedly um he's an imposter i think um they're not gonna like we were talking talking about earlier they're not gonna give you mutants and bring in the fox and uh, x-men wolverine they're not gonna do it that easily it's not gonna be that simple it just you don't just boom it happens you know that's a pump fake but nonetheless really excited for that hopefully we can talk a little bit more about it later may even have a a film show if you will bring eric in he's a resident Mm -hmm. film expert um knows all the star wars all the all the good movies he's got them all but nonetheless um want to jump into some hawks talk and talk about the atlanta hawks and just kind of the direction they're headed um you know friday night was not a good night for if you're a hawks fan um 
you know, looking forward, John Collins, that's the big issue. Everyone talks about it. It seems like it comes up weekly. We talked about it on here last week, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, Deshaun Tate gave his take on it. And so, you know, it's one of those questions. Everybody's got a different answer. Everybody's answer is a little bit different, different and it, it comes out differently. Um, but, Eric, are you paying John Collins? Are you giving him the max dollars he wants or near max dollars he wants? I think max is tough. But the fact of the matter is this man has proved himself to be a phenomenal resource for the Hawks. Um, his three-point shooting has increased. His um, Just his floor presence um, is so much better than, than what it was last year, the year before. And I think you keep seeing those significant jumps from season to season. And because of that, I'm taking a chance on him and I'm paying him. I, I don't even really think it's taking a chance. Dude's a walking double-double. He's getting you at least 20 points a game, and he's getting you 10 rebounds a game, if not more. Um, there's no reason not to pay him. Now, do you give him the full money? That's a little up in the air, but I think you'd be almost crazy not to give him close because the fact of the matter is you have to pay these players. And if you look at John Collins and you think, okay, I'm okay with him being the second or third best player on the team, you pay him. So yeah. that's where I'm at with it. I mean, yeah, I think for, for you to pay him, you have to firmly believe John Collins is the second best player on the team. Third best players on teams don't get max contracts. They're very duly compensated. But third best players on teams don't get max contracts, with the exception of a Golden State situation where Draymond Green is third best player and you have Clay Thompson on a longer deal, but it was actually cheaper. And you've got Steph Curry locked in long term, but you can also give Clay a big deal. You know, they, they had some things work out with their cap and, and, and timing wise. But third best players on teams don't generally get max contracts. So I think if you're paying John Collins that much money, he's got to be your clear cut number two. Um, but I'm working my hardest to get him his money if you're the, the Hawks. And I don't think the debate is should he get paid. I think everyone kind of universally agrees. Like, give that man his money. He's yeah. earned it, and he's a, he's a vital piece to the Hawks. But it's like we kind of talked about last week. Um, is he – you know, what does he what does he mean to you? What does he mean to you? Um, and so to the Hawks, that's the question they have to answer, I think. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. But I think the – the question they have to answer is what does he mean to us? Because we know what he might mean to Detroit or Sacramento or Miami or any another team, another team that may be in the bidding for his services. But, you know, there's. Yeah. And I think, I think that's what the Hawks have to do is they have to, but, but I think the Hawks have to sit down and say, Hey, what do we mean to you as well? So the Hawks have to sit down with John Collins and say, Hey, look, do you want to be a Hawk? Is this something that you want to ride out? Um, or do you just want money? You know, now if he just wants his money, sure, like there's still a conversation to be had there. But if the man sits down and says, no, I want to be a hawk, like I want to play with this team, I think there's potential. I think two, three, five years down the road, we're looking at, at being a championship team, you know, hopefully before then. But you, you ask him and you see, do you think this team has potential? Do you want to be a part of it? Do you want to be a part of the Hawks organization or do you just want your money? And I think that's kind of where, where you figure out, do we pay this guy or not? You know, I think, I think ask, you know, I think the, the, the ask of if he wants to be a Hawk, it, it's, it's irrelevant. You know, I think he wants his money. Um, those, those guys are professionals. They want to get paid. Uh, you know, just like when anybody goes to work, you want to get paid. You want to get paid every two weeks, every month, whatever. Um, you, you're looking to get paid. You want to cash out at some point. So, and, and he's at that point, you know. So I think, you know, questioning his loyalty to the franchise or devotion to the franchise is almost unfair because it's almost like you're asking him to take a discount. And I don't think you should ask players to take a discount. If players want to take a discount to be in a place, they, they, they're going to come to you and say, hey, I'll take a little bit less money to make sure we get so-and-so done or get so-and-so locked in long-term or whatever. So you know, if, if another player comes in and says, hey, I'll, I'll take less money so we can get John some max money down the road, you know, that, I mean, hey, that may happen. But I don't think anybody is in that position. You know, no one's going to take the Tom Brady team-friendly deal as a 26-year-old, you, know, you know, guy in their prime or approaching their prime. No, and the, the goal is not to say, oh, you're a Hawk, let's give you, like, 
we're going to cut your like cost by 50%. Like we're going to pay 50% less than what any other team is going to pay for you. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely not. But if the man wants to be a Hawk, that means he wants to be in the locker room. He's going to be a positive influence. He's not going to put like, he's not going to let other outside things blur him from the, the goal. And that's to, to be a Hawk and to bring a championship to Atlanta. If the man is just worried about his money, then what happens in the locker room is not going to matter to him. What happens – and he'll continue to allow um, locker room talk to, to impact the team. Mm -hmm. Whereas if he wants to be a Hawk, you still give the man his money because for he sure. earned it and he's played for it. But he's also going to want to be there. Whereas if he doesn't want to be there, I'm sure there are some guys that you can trade for him to improve the team a little more. For sure. I agree with that 100%. Um, and, you know, just from, from last week's episode as well, you know, I, I think he's, he's a locker room influencer. He's a guy you want in your locker room. He's, a you know, Deshaun Tate, you know, again, to draw on what he said, he's a different guy in there, but he's a guy that overall is well-liked, um, mm -hmm. a guy who can lead, who we've seen is not afraid of, of healthy, healthy confrontation. You know, you heard about the reports between he and Trey Young. Um, doesn't seem to be taking an adverse effect on either of those guys' game. If anything, they play better since then, you know, um, with the exception of a few games. Um, and, and those are just going to happen throughout the course of a year with young, young superstars or young budding superstars. But nonetheless, I think the Hawks have options, which is the key, key thing to know is you're, you got flexibility, you got some options. I'm open to letting Danilo Gallinari and Rajon Rondo find new homes. Um, I know you just signed Gallinari. I know you just signed Rondo. But in the offseason, obviously after this year, if it's going to require you to, to, to let those guys, you know, put those guys on the block and maybe, you know, move them out to another contender or move them out to another team who, who would could use their services or would like their services, in the interest of keeping that young core together, you know, I think that, I think that moving those guys is not the worst thing. You know, Rondo hasn't been the great, you know, hasn't been the most effective guy. Gallinari is still getting back from an injury. So it's, it's unfair to evaluate his effectiveness. Rondo really may be unfair to evaluate as well because he hadn't been there either as much. Um, but, you know, the young guys can step in and, and fill those voids. It's nice to have that veteran leadership and presence and Rondo's, you know, coach on the floor type of presence. But at the end of the day, you got to keep your guys. And, and if these guys are, are ancillary pieces, which it, it seems like they are, they're nice pieces to have, but not pieces that are, they're going to contribute to the success of the team, but they're not pieces that are, you would say, we're make, or make or break. We can find a backup point guard. We may have already found a backup point guard. Brandon Goodwin, Skylar Mays, um, both of those guys are playing well. So we have already found your backup point guard of the future. Same with Gallinari. You know, Cam Reddish has had his his stretches of bad play and good play. Um, you know, but DeAndre Hunter's back, or when he gets back, will step into that starting role again. You've got plenty of options, and you also know you're going to have to pay Kevin Hurd or Bruno Fernando, Trey Young down the road. You're going to have to make decisions. So with John Collins' contract situation, it's going to create a ripple effect. You don't want to want it to hamstring you and put you in a position where well, we got these two really good guys, and then we kind of got you know, the LeBron James Cavaliers behind them. So, yeah. you know, because there's only one LeBron James for that matter. But, you know, overall, they have <laughs> – you got to explore every option to keep John Collins. Um, mm -hmm. And when I say every option, I mean, you know, you got to decide if he's a max contract player. Like I said last week, Draymond Green's done a max contract to most of the teams in the league. But to Golden State, his skill set makes him a max guy with the toughness, the leadership, ability mm -hmm. to defend, all those things. Um, same thing with John Collins. He's not, He's a – prototype of a modern four man he compliments clint capella he yeah. is exciting a locker room guy all that stuff is big it makes a difference so um for you know in in your mind eric what's the likelihood that he actually is dealt before the season is or i'll say by the beginning of next year either before the trade deadline or is you know traded or let go in some capacity in, in the offseason yeah i mean i I hope the likelihood isn't high. Um, I hope the Hawks aren't that dumb. I hope that they don't just let a guy like this walk. But I think we've seen it before, and I, I don't think I, I don't think it's out of the question to see it again. I don't think it's out of the question that he gets dealt. I think you can pick up some other pieces for John Collins. He's a phenomenal player. He would fit almost any system well because of his just athleticism. He can do whatever's asked of him. He's very coachable. Um, and like you said, he's a locker room presence. And so with that, 
he would be a hot commodity on most teams. Um, so for the right deal, I could see him being dealt. However, I hope that they don't deal him. Yeah, there. I agree. I don't want to see him leave either. I don't want him out the door in any capacity because the thing about it is the Hawks say, oh, we're looking for first round picks. Well, it's great. Yes, you want first round picks for a walk-in double-double. But first round picks are potential and potential is one of the scariest word in sports. Um, You know, you could be potential has the ability to all that sounds great when, you know, on May, whatever, when you're on draft night, but the next day, that's when the work starts. You know, you can celebrate that for a day or two for a few hours, but the next day is when the work starts. And when the work starts, if you got a guy who, who bought into those, the hype, the work may not come. John Collins put in the work to transform his game, to become more than just a bouncy post player who did a lot of good things at, at Wake Forest. He, he transformed his game from year one to year two, or from really, you know, Wake Forest to year one, then year one to year two, year two to year three. We've seen the improvement. It's visible, not just in the stats, but it's visible in watching this guy play. So all that in mind, you know, it seemed like the likelihood fluctuates for me. It seemed like when the Mavs were hot on him, you know, Mark Cuban kind of seems like he, he gets this guy. He's going to get what he wants. So they're not going to shy away from potentially paying him a lot of money in the offseason if he becomes an unrestricted free agent or whatever. So with yeah. that in mind, it, it really did seem, you know, it seemed like the Mavs could make a push. What were they going to give? Who knows? But you're going to have to, you know, for some teams, you're going to have to involve a third team because you don't have the guys. You know, if I'm the Hawks, though, the, the price is very high. Um, And quite frankly, I don't think there's an incentive to trade it because fact of the matter is you give him the offer sheet in the offseason, he becomes a restricted free agent. So now you have the right to match any contract that he's given. So now you're doing not only you you offered him, you've tried to work it out on your own, figure something out that you both want. Didn't happen. Okay, that's great. No hard feelings about it, because in the offseason, we give you the offer sheet. And now we can match whatever offer any other team gives you. You don't. That means you don't have to set the market. You see Alex Anthopoulos do it all the time with the Braves. He doesn't yeah. ever set the market for a player. As with Marcelo Ozuna, Ozuna was close to it, you know, got a deal, some terms established with another team. You know, they kind of had the gentleman's agreement. Hey, I'm going to give you the opportunity to, to come back and, and barter and see what you can beat that deal. Ozuna let him know. He did. Marcelo Ozuna's brave again. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it always doesn't work that way. I feel like that was more of a perfect scenario. But the restricted free agency gives you the option to match what you let somebody else set the market. You yeah. see what the market for him is. And then if it's a price that's too high, you can then work out a sign and trade. You can say, OK, hey, we, we, we recognize your want to go to another team. But before you sign that offer sheet, let us work something out so that we can at least be compensated for losing a player of your magnitude. So yeah. keeping him through the end of this season is a is a no-brainer to me because of that. And also, you get to see what type of run you could put together. I mean, you see what this team can do at full strength. This team at full strength is with John Collins. I think that was lip service to say the Hawks were entertaining. That was more of some people had called, so we're going to say we're looking for multiple first-round picks. But we don't want the Lakers' multiple first-round picks. No, we don't want you know, Caruso, Kuzma, their first-round picks and a couple of the ones they've, they've, they've amassed over time. No, 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 no. I, if I'm looking for first-round picks, I want – something that's going to be high and I want multiple high draft picks. I'm looking to, I'm looking at you, Detroit. I'm looking at you, uh, you know, presumably the Timberwolves. I'm looking at some of those bottom feeders to say, no, 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 no. You, you need to bring, you need to bring the goods. You, you need to bring, you know, a high pack, a high value package. Yep. And even though you may not get as much in the off season by waiting, mm-hmm. I still think getting something is better than nothing. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about. Yep. Yep. So, with that being said, what are some trade packages that you would want to see put out for John Collins? You know, you know, this is my fan. My fantasy football experience is telling me this. There is literally no such thing as a fair trade. Um, my best friend <laughs> says that. Shout out Gatlin. He said that all the time. Maybe he said thought said that a couple of years ago. And the more I think about it, the more I, I, it's true. There is no such thing as a fair trade in sports. There, there, if there is, it's very, very rare. Somebody is getting screwed. You know or getting the, the lesser end of the stick, but usually uh, is getting screwed. See Bill O'Brien and the Houston Texans uh, and several of those deals. Somebody's usually getting the short end of the stick and it's usually not close, but picks aren't a sure thing. Players are, you know, sometimes iffy if you're getting a guy who's been a, been a, a weird, in a weird situation before or whatever. Um, 
you don't know if your guy you get is going to compliment Capella, Trey Young, the rest of your team, the way John Collins does. But I mean, yeah. I'm in, an, I'm entertaining a couple. You know, the Nuggets are looking to contend. They need a four man to play beside Nikola Jokic. Um, John Collins fits the role. An athletic guy can, you know, guard multiple positions, can switch and do different things. Um, so, you know, probably still he's not a de- as big of a defensive liability as say Michael Porter Jr., but he's still not the greatest defender. So they're going to have some issues on that side of the ball with Murray, Jokic, John Collins, if that were to be a scenario. But let's go Michael Porter Jr., bowl, bowl, some picks for Collins and whatever you got to add on to make the cap work. You know, Michael Porter Jr. could be an offensive superstar in this league one day. We talked yep. about that last year in the bubble. You know, we talked about his emergence. So I think that's one. Um, a Timberwolves deal with Carl Anthony Towns. Obviously, I haven't done the, the numbers on this to see if it, it'd work. Um, but Carl Anthony Towns uh, and Capella beside each other, eh, we're, we're bordering on that territory back when you had Horford, Tiago Splitter, and uh, uh, Paul Millsap. And we yeah. thought, yeah, we, we can do this. This will work. We'll just be bigger than everybody. And it clearly did not <laughs> work. Um, so, you know, that um, that's that kind of territory for me. But also, mm-hmm. um, Cat and Capella would make you a, a very big team. Carl Anthony Towns can stretch the defense, can play some four, um, even though he's a seven-footer. So what does it do to you defensively? Eh, I don't know. But, um, you know, what are some of yours? I have a couple more, but I'm going to save my, my last two after you go to see if you've, you've hit on any of the ones I got. Ooh, I probably won't. We'll see. Um, I would be okay with talking to Houston and having Collins for Oladipo and some first rounders. Um, I like Oladipo. I think he is a great, he's a good player. Um, He hasn't necessarily made a ton of like massive remarks on the league you know, but he's a good player that, that Atlanta would benefit from. And then you'd get picks from that as well. Um, I think what I would like to see is Collins for Zach Levine or Markinen. And so getting those two players, sending Collins out, um, we may have to add some picks onto that, maybe one or two picks, depending on how much they value uh, Zach Levine, because Zach Levine has really stepped up this year. Um, and he's really been a major player for the Bulls. Um, and if we don't get Levine, then um, I don't know if you make that trade. Um, and then I would be okay. We were talking about the Timberwolves. I say send Rondo and Collins for Rubio and Cat. Um, I think I would love to see Ricky Rubio play in Atlanta. I think he's a smart player. I think he is a um, – I think he's a great player, a great um, – I think he would be a great locker room presence. That would be something that would really interest me is, is Rubio. But that's – I mean, those are the three that I said. This is – these are the three that really stood out to me as something that I would be kind of okay with. For sure. You know, the only Houston – I don't know if Houston's looking to get – you know, they, they would take a John Collins – but are they going to, do they want to pay? What's, what's, what's that going to look like in Houston? Yeah. You know, what, how's that going to work? There are, there are a lot of questions, you know, what, what is Houston looking to do right now? They're 13th in the Western conference. So they're in tank mode um, probably presumably for the rest of the season. So, you know, if they're, if they're looking to make moves, they, there's already been reports. They want to deal Oladipo and who knows where Victor Oladipo wants to play. It seems like he's yeah. never happy. He went to OKC, got dealt, wasn't happy in Indiana, got dealt, presumably doesn't really want to be in, um, Houston, you know, so probably will get dealt. I don't know what Victor Oladipo wants to do. Does he want to be the best player on the team? Because if he's going to be the best player on the team, the team's not going to be very good. Does he yeah. want to win? Because if he wants to win, probably the best player on the team. So there yeah. are a couple of different – I don't know what his end game is. I don't I don't love Oladipo. I think he's a, great, a good player, a good piece to have. I just don't know where his – you know, I haven't watched him enough and studied him enough and, and really paid that much attention to know – other than him knowing he's a good piece, you know, I, I'd like yeah. to see if he, how he's going to fit with a team like the Hawks. Also, Zach Levine would be, you could do Levine for Collins, expiring deal for expiring deal. In theory works. Um, Levine's just going to be 27. Um, Collins is 23. So I don't know if the, the Bulls may see expiring deal for expiring deal. That's fine. But, you know, 
I mean, are we going to pay a 27 year old Zach Levine max money? Cause that, with the season he's having, he's going to expect to be a max player. I think that's so the ship has sailed on that one. Um, you may get away with paying Hollins a little bit less than the max, but you, the, the ship has sailed on Levine. He's going to expect a lot of money and he's going to get it from someone. It would be in the position he plays. Another bulls player that interests me is Kobe white. They're not giving up the future. Kobe White is. I love Kobe White. Carolina guy. Love Kobe White. They're not coming off Kobe White. Hey, come on. Let's let's explore the option. <laughs> What's well, it going to – you'd almost have to – you know, Kobe White and Trey Young, I don't know how that pairing works in a backcourt in the NBA. In college, it's a lot of fun. In the NBA, um, <laughs> I don't know how that works as far as, you know, stopping other teams from scoring and whatnot. <laughs> but – more than the other team. Yeah, that would be the may be the ultimate move to say we got to beat you two hundred to one ninety nine every night. But yeah. nonetheless, um, you know I like the you know those aren't bad deals at all. I think if you can think you can retain Levine, um, potentially it could work. Also, same with Oladipo, potentially it could work. You get another off ball guy. Um, speaking of guys who play off the ball, um, let's fire up that Bradley Bill trade machine again. See what we can get for for him out of Washington. They say he doesn't want to be dealt but does he really not want to be dealt? You know, <laughs> everyone wants to win. Play with a guy like Trey Young, get the ball, get up a lot of shots, you know, which he already does, but really just kind of make him the team, or a guy who, uh, you know, can lead that team and be a veteran scorer and take some of the load off Trey and do a lot of things. Um, here's my wild card. I have a wild card, and I don't know how well this works, and we tossed this around a little bit, but what if you – if you're making a move, and obviously we're speculating that we're not saying these are deals we want. We want John Collins. We don't want any of these alternatives. Yeah. But if we have to make an alternative, this is kind of what we're at. But what about Marvin Bagley from Sacramento? What if you went Marvin Bagley for John Collins and you got a couple tack-ons, obviously, to make the salary cap work, and you got Sacramento's their first and maybe a future first or a pick swap or something like that. Marvin Bagley's a bouncy four-man. He's shown the ability to shoot it from deep. Um, he's more of a slasher type as to where Collins is more of the prototypical four-man with a back-to-the-basket game and, you know, a perimeter game and the ability to attack from there. Um, Bagley has ability. We saw him do it at Duke. We've seen him do it at times in the NBA. And he wants out of Sacramento. There have been reports that he's not very happy there. Um, so could he come to Atlanta, play the same type of pick and, you know, pick and roll game? Would he be as effective? I don't know, because he's not as established or as polished there. But, you know, I think he's got the hand, ability to handle it in the open floor a little bit. He could be kind of a, a facilitator at the four, if you will, and a playmaker. Um, so why not Marvin Bagley? Um, you know, well, he could work. It's a viable yes. option. Statistically, he's pretty consistent. I mean, he – Obviously, he hasn't spent like a million years in the league, but he's what you can see of him. He's a consistent player statistically. So I don't, I don't, I don't love the trade because, like you said, we want Collins. We want, we want him mm-hmm. to stay. We want him here in Atlanta. We want him playing beside Capella and Trey Young and, and Kevin Herter. And that's what we want. But I don't love, I don't love the Bagley idea, but I don't hate it either. I'm yeah, very, very neutral to that one. <laughs> for sure. You're getting a you're getting a 21-year-old, so 22-year-old, so a year younger than Collins, guy in his third year in the league, number two overall pick. Not to say that you are getting a better player. I'm not saying that at all. But, yeah. you know, you would have, you know, you could extend the qualifying offer to him next season, you know, and then you would have him as a restricted free agent in 2022. Um, at the age of 24 yeah. and who knows who who knows you know you, you'll have to make you can make a decision but you got a year to take a flyer on him if you want to um so those are yeah, it's just one of those things I think you you maybe the guy the one guy that you may consider that you if you're saying hey we gotta get rid of John Collins yeah he's going too much money we gotta make a move that may be the one team you can say hey what do you, you guys want on John Collins Marvin Bagley yeah you know you throw it around you try it on yeah I'm I'm okay with that. And here's the thing is Bagley, obviously we don't have to pay him. Like we won't have to pay him a max contract or anything, but I mean, that's another guy that, that you can save a little money on. For sure. You're saving a little bit of money in it. Not to say both teams are better or worse because that's marginal, but it's an interesting thing to throw around and think about what are, who's, what are some teams, what are some packages that teams can conceivably put together to make 
a John Collins trade work. And again, not that we want John Collins gone. We want John Collins. But if he has to go, how can we get compensated to make this team still be pretty good? Um, So really quickly before we go head to a break, yeah, there's a bigger issue with the Hawks. John Collins says, you know, the trade talk is is a distraction or whatever you want to call it. It's not the greatest issue to have. Um, But also – the Hawks, they're blowing games. They've, they're having leads. I think something like nine times they've had a lead in the fourth quarter or 17 times had a lead in the fourth quarter and they've lost nine of those games. Um, you know, what, why are they, why are they blowing games? What's the, what's the issue? What's the problem? I mean, I think there are a few things. Obviously we knew coming into the season that the Hawks were going to gouge points. Um, defensively, we're not, we're not a defensively elite team. We're not even a defensive team. We're a team that just tries to score more points than the other team. Uh, we're a team that's getting better at defense. We're <laughs> and so with that, I think obviously the first thing is is just overall defense. Uh, but secondly, I think we have to we have to evaluate what Colin said when when it, the news first came out that he was unhappy with with Trey shooting a forty foot three with. 23 seconds left on the game clock like I think we have to evaluate that too and say well if we manage the clock well we won't have these issues of teams putting up 30 in the fourth quarter you know because we'll be able to take that time take our time Um, I think they've gotten better at that but also incorporating the big men into the game obviously I think they've done a good job at that but they do it quickly so when they incorporate the big man you see Trey dribble um and then he rides the right side of the lane lobs into the left side of the lane to Capella or Collins and we see that consistently throughout the game but they do that with 20 seconds left on the shot clock if you can take your time in the fourth quarter and get the shot clock under 10 that's going to improve I think our fourth quarter game drastically for sure. You know, those those really good teams have an ability to, um, you know, in late game situations, have an ability to get the ball to one guy, let him attack with eight seconds left, ten, eight or ten seconds left on the on the shot clock. Um, that's what they're able to do. And the Hawks have that elite ability with Trey Young to be able to be a one on one guy or get the ball to Collins on the, on the block or whatever and get a good shot. Um, but, you know, I think the just just being efficient just working to be efficient in those late game possessions. So, you know, you don't, you understand that, okay, if you're feeling it, you know, if Trey's hit two in a row and he comes down and parks a a 36 footer, um, you know, for the dagger and he knocks it down, you know, that's a rhythm shot. I'm not, I don't, I'm not crazy about it, but it works, but you don't need to just park one for the sake of parking one because you haven't shot it in three possessions. Um, And not to say that's what's happening either, but I just think it's important to maximize those late possessions, be efficient. It's okay to trade buckets. It's okay to trade twos for twos. Um, (laughs) If you have a 10 point lead and, you know, and you trade buckets, you know, over a two minute stretch, you've held serve. It's fine. Nothing's hurt right there. We've done okay. So maximizing those possessions, being efficient is really the key in my opinion, having, you know, not even say long possessions, just be efficient in your possessions, be efficient, get the job done. Um, but I think it most importantly, um, it's important not to overreact. You're seven and a half games out of first, which is a, a margin, a good, a good number. You're out of first place. Okay. You're in 10th place now, but there are four games separating you from the number three seed. The Eastern conference, I'm not going to say it's weak, but it has been bad this year. Yeah. It hasn't been very good. Even, even at the top, the, the nets who are probably going to be the number one seed haven't been good. They have, whatever their issues are the the bucks are, are on falling on hard times now the only team that's really streaking that's really you know man head and shoulders looks like utah and they got beat uh, on friday night so yep. you know I, i'm not the issue to me is just getting this team healthy get them back right um it's anyone saying oh it's time to make a coaching change we gotta fire lloyd pierce shut up and i mean that from the deepest most sincere place in my heart shut up it's unfair to judge the team as a shell of a team. Yes, they have issues. Yes, they have problems. But you know what? A lot of the guys they're going to be closing with aren't even playing right now. But, you know, Bogey Bogdanovich is not playing. Gallinari, who may be a guy you use in closing situations, isn't playing his regular minutes. Capella, who I think will be a guy you see more in closing situations, isn't playing in those situations right now for whatever reason, be it minutes restrictions or um, 
conditioning or whatever. You know, Lloyd Pierce ain't going nowhere. I, that's, yeah. he'll, he may be evaluated at the end of the year and going into next season, but Lloyd Pierce ain't going nowhere. We're not going to see one of these midseason coaching changes. So you need to just live with it, you know. It's one of those things we got to live with right now. But when this team gets healthy, I think you'll start seeing them close games in the fourth quarter. You'll see that. You'll see Rondo be able to help if he can be healthy and get back and play at the level he played at in the bubble. You'll see Bogey Bogdanovich really give a boost and really give some, some help there. You'll see, um, you know, DeAndre Hunter, you know, his absence. They've given up 10 more points a game. So ten, losing games by six or five or whatever, those 10 points make a difference. It's a difference yeah. in a four, you know, five-point win and a five-point loss. You know, 10 points makes a difference. So, I think when the team is healthy, it, they'll figure it out. Um, and even into next season, if you see the promise, but it doesn't, portray, you know, parlay into a, a seed where you're really feeling like you can win some playoff games or win a series, if they get the eight seed and play the Nets and just get decimated, you can't fire Lloyd Pierce for that because he played half the season essentially without his team, without the guys he brought in. So that's an unfair criticism, an unfair an unfair take, an unfair analysis to make, I think. So when this team yeah. is fully healthy and we see them for an extended stretch to get some chemistry, figure out what the rotation looks like, then we can draw conclusions at the end of the year, going into the playoffs, after the playoffs, even into next season at the All-Star break, um, if they can stay healthy to then, obviously. But – I think that's it's an unfair criticism to say that oh, Lloyd Pierce is the problem. Well, no, he's playing the guys that are here, and sometimes that's Tony Snell, and he has to play him because he's only got five perimeter guys, yep. and that's just the way it is. Um, but nonetheless, we're gonna take, step away and take a very short break. When we get back, we're talking Braves. We got the Atlanta Braves on tap, and we're gonna give you guys a brief rundown of pitchers and catchers here, um, and then we'll come back into some some positional, uh, some more positional looks um, into next week and whatnot. But for now. We're going to step away, and we will be right back. I'm Isaiah, the host of the 404. I'm 24, a reporter, and looking for my shot in sports radio. You see, Atlanta, to me, is the best city in the world, even with all of our traffic, crazy weather, and the sports collapses. You see, with this podcast, I don't want things to be about me, though. Instead, I want it to be a place, or a forum, if you will, where you, the fans, come to discuss the good, the bad, and even the ugly about sports in the 404. You see, forums came from ancient Rome as a place for them to discuss the events of the day. As we know, Rome was a place with art, music, and sports, all things the 404 is very well known for. And if the ancient Romans needed a place to sound off on the issues of the day, well, let's just say Atlanta sports fans are long overdue for theirs. New episodes will be dropping weekly, so please be sure to listen, like, subscribe, and leave a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And be sure to give us a like on Facebook at The 404. And let me hear your thoughts, opinions, and even hot takes on the happenings of the 404 sports world. Remember, it's a forum, so we always want to hear what you have to say. What's up? We are back. This is Isaiah Smith, the host of the 404 Forum. Uh, make sure you check us out on social media at the 40 and then Forum on Twitter. And also check us out on Facebook. Make sure to like, subscribe. Um, also check us out wherever you get your podcast. Um, but we're here to talk Braves. I got my guy Eric Gould still with me. Um, we're talking pitchers and catchers. They reported, um, I believe, on last Thursday. Um, and the rest of the team will show up at some point this week. But, you know, pitchers. The Braves made some moves in the offseason. So do you see pitching? You know, is it shaping up to be one of the strengths of this team again as it was last season at points in the playoffs? Yeah, well, I mean, I to go ahead and outright say that it's a strength, I think, is it, it is a lot and it's very premature. Um, I, I think it's I think it's exciting to see the moves that we've made. Um, but to, to just outright say it's a strength, you know, I don't know if we could say that yet. Obviously, we can get excited about it. We can get excited that the staff has changed, that we've uh, made some moves in, in the off in the off season. We've uh, we've hopefully improved. But I just if here's the thing is if the Braves pitching ever becomes a strength, I don't see us not winning a World Series. For sure, I can definitely agree with that. Um, you know, I think 
you know, to say it's a strength, I, I don't, I'm a, I agree. I don't know if it's exactly fair to say that. I'm apprehensive about this brave season as a whole. After going so deep and having so many expectations coming into this season, and it's so often it doesn't work when you say, let's just run it back, guys. Let's get all our guys back and we'll do it again and we'll be better. It often doesn't work that way because different things have happened. San Diego's better. Um, other teams are getting better. The Dodgers are better. They added another star pitcher to their roster. Um, some other teams are going to be better as well. And you also got to account for surprise teams. The Marlins are probably going to be pretty good and other teams like that. But nonetheless, I think, you know, Mike Soroka coming back, massive. I think that that makes a pitching staff that was already very good deep in the postseason um, better once he gets back to full strength and gets back right. Um, Max Freed was a Cy Young award level pitcher last season. You can't tell me otherwise. The ankle injury or whatever he had late kind of derailed that because he missed a few starts, missed a couple weeks just to be back healthy and 100% by the time the playoffs were here. But you need him to be at or near that level of effectiveness. I don't know if you're going to ask him to do that again, replicate that level of success. But again, if he did it once, he can, he can reach that level again. So I think him being close to that level or at that level, um, you know, Mike Soroka coming back, being typical Mike Soroka once he gets his feet under him, both of those guys make your team great. Then you have the addition of Charlie Morton, who I think makes your team pretty good. Um, you know, Drew Smiley, I don't know what his role is going to be. And also, a guy I forgot to put in my notes, and I don't know how I did, Ian Anderson, probably could win Rookie, rookie of the Year, um, has all the potential in the world, was a guy that stepped in and stabilized your rotation at a point last year. I mean, when Freed was out, um, you really didn't have that next guy in your rotation. Ian Anderson stepped up and said, every five days, I'll make sure we get a quality outing here um, as a rookie. So, he's going to be able to hopefully come in and replicate his success over 162 games this year, however many games are going to play a longer season. Nonetheless, um, I think you've got a surefire four-headed monster to roll out um, if things go to chalk, you know, with Freed is probably your number, if he's your number one with Soroka getting back, Soroka coming in behind him whenever he's ready, Charlie Morton being, you know, ready to roll. And then, uh, you know, Ian Anderson, be in the four or the three, depending on how things shake out. But, you know, if, if things get back to where we are or where we were before injuries and things happen, I think it's you're, you're a dangerous team because you got four guys you can put out there and expect to get a win in a playoff series. Um, so with, with that in mind, you know, the free agent acquisitions, Charlie Morton, Drew Smiley, really the only big ones that they made. Um, what are your thoughts on, on those two? Um, I mean, I think it's good. I think it's exciting. I think you – it's necessary. I think you have to add to the add to the starting rotation, add to the bullpen, um, because as you could tell, we weren't that deep once we got to the playoffs. Obviously, there's some injuries, there's some um, some stuff here or there, but once it comes down to it, anytime you can add depth to an already pretty good starting rotation, mm -hmm. um, you're just improving, and and that's what we're asking the Braves to do as fans and hopefully the organization is asking that as well is how can we improve and pitching depth is the one area that the Braves really needed improvements for sure you you added you know depth in that starting rotation you don't have to go out and get um, a, a Robbie Erlin to come and hopefully eat innings or hope that you can use um, some of those other bullpen guys in a position to eat innings for you but you've gotten Charlie Morton who can be a number three could be your number four um, Drew Smiley who can be a bullpen piece or a starting piece um, the staff with the young guys are going to be good um, you know it's going to be good you know Kyle Wright was solid at the end of the season What and whatever his role is. I hope he can build on his success at the end of last year and being, you know, really multiple times in the regular season right there, you know, just a few pitches away from being able to go into the fifth, sixth inning, you know. But Kyle Wright can build on that, I think. Bryce Wilson looked phenomenal down the stretch for, for a guy who – had just kind of come in in late situations, has been an inning eater before that. Bryce Wilson was, you know, phenomenal down the stretch. He went six innings. He outdueled Clayton Kershaw in game four. If you remember that, he had a great outing and, and kind of came on over that last month and a half or two months of the season. You know, I, I personally really like Bryce Wilson as the number five guy right now, just from his postseason performances and things like that. Um, yep. Kyle Wright, you know, could step in and play some play some role there. But you really have, can look at that thing and say, we got seven guys who could start a baseball game and go five, six innings and, and be and be effective in that. Mm -hmm. um, if you think about the, the four we mentioned and then uh, Wilson Wright and Andrew Smiley. So, you know, with that in mind, you got to look at the back end of the game. We talked about the starters and the splash yep. additions there. What is your comfort level with this team's uh, bullpen? 
the back end of the game, I'm a little nervous because, yeah, we have great guys up front. Um, I think we do have guys that could close out a game. You have guys like Will Smith that did well last season closing out some games. Um, uh, Sean Newcomb. Like, I, I think we have some guys that could close out. But I think, once again, the big thing that we're going to run into is consistency. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we can have a guy close one, two, maybe three nights in a row. But once we start getting deep into the, all right, well, now we need a guy for this fifth fifth day of the week, you know, <laughs> like who, who are we going to, who are we going to get to for close? Sure. I think you start running into some iffy territory. Now, to be fair, some of these guys hadn't had the ability to prove themselves. And so maybe I'm overstepping my bounds, but maybe these guys are, maybe we are deep and we just don't know it yet. You know, mm-hmm. I think we haven't seen these guys play. And so we've seen a lot of the starting pitchers play, but some of these other guys, I mean, you let them step in and maybe they, maybe they're battling Kershaw. Maybe they're stepping into these games and and closing with the best of them. And we just haven't seen it yet. So, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm a little hesitant because the Braves are notorious for Atlanta sports are notorious for not being able to close out a game, but we may have the right guys in here and we just don't know it yet. For sure. I think this pitching staff was highly touted for a reason. Um, their ability to do things and get, get the job done and, and at lower levels should translate at some point for a lot of these guys, but they have potential uh, and potential is a scary word, but every guy that you see that has potential can't be a bust. You know, it can't be every single one, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm disappointed. Mark Melanson is, isn't back, you know, as, as after being the closer for much of last year, um, you know, he, you know, took another deal, went elsewhere. But so that's just going to give Will Smith an opportunity to step into the role that you signed him to be. You know, if you remember last year, he battled COVID a little bit at the beginning of the year. So it took him a minute to get in and get back and get rolling. And by that time, Melanson had established himself as the closer. Um, and you don't want to go away from something with that because the bullpen is a, is a mind game. It's a head game. So nonetheless, um, I'm hoping that Will Smith, did, you know, did not you know, that's not the end of him when the other Will Smith, you know, hit a bomb off of him in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Hope he can bounce back and really be effective. Um, but also, you know, you got to think A.J. Minter, uh, Tyler Matzik, Chris Martin, uh, Tomlin, um, you know, Luke Jackson, who, who wasn't as effective last year, but it's still a good piece, I think. Uh, you know, Jacob Webb, all those guys can hopefully give you some some quality innings along with potentially a Tuki Toussaint, uh, Chad Sabatka, Grant Dayton, Sean Newcomb, Kyle Wright in that role if you need him. You have options back there, and that's a good thing. Having options is a good thing because you're going to have the opportunity to figure out who your guys are back there, who your guys are you want in the pen. But remember, this bullpen was one of the best in baseball. So, you know, you you got to figure out your back end. Last season it was, you know, Chris Martin, um, Will Smith, Mark Melanson, that was your seven, eight, nine, you know, and then you could use Josh Tomlin, Mentor. A lot of time, Mentor was your sixth or seventh inning guy. Um, Huascar Yanoa, another guy I didn't mention who's young, but really looked like he could pitch, he could, you know, and could be a kind of swing role, could be an opener for you and go three or four innings. Also, come in on the back end and really help you and shut some teams down. Also, Grant Dayton. Those guys could be your fifth, sixth inning guys or even fourth inning guys if you want to make that change. And I think it's important to establish that role, that late game, who our, who our seven, eight, nine guys are that are going to shut it down. Because without the DH, you're going to see a lot more managers understanding the importance of runs in today's game and how the home run can affect the game. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a lot more managers say, hey, um, let me get my pitcher out of here and keep this rally going. Let me have, you know, try to extend this rally with a pinch hitter, especially with the three batter minimum, instead of giving him a free out and finding a little bit of a groove and then maybe getting my pitcher to hit into a double play or, or having, you know, our leadoff guy come up with two outs instead of one out or, you know, that kind of those types of situations. You're going to see not chasing runs, I think, but the importance of runs in today's NBA or in today's um, MLB, excuse me, is very important. Um, but with all that in mind, you know, on a scale of one to 10, without seeing the Braves play, you haven't heard a lot from spring training yet. You know, how confident are you, te- how confident are you, confident are you in this team's ability to get it done on the mound? To you know, if you had to give it a one to 10, what's your confidence level front to back? This team can go out and will perform consistently throughout the season. I'd say seven and a half. I want to say eight. I want to say seven. So I'll settle in the middle. And the reason I say that is 
Um, we've seen tons of flashes. Last year they looked great. Um, last year they um, they proved that they could be a contending team um, and and contending on the mound. And so I think hopefully we'll be able to continue that into this season. Um, but once again, premature. We haven't seen a lot of this stuff yet. Um, a lot of these pitchers we have seen, but it's a new season and baseball fluctuates, I would say more than almost any other sport. For sure. For sure. Baseball can change in a heartbeat. Um, and it's an unpredictable game. Ball, the ball can bounce funny. Things can happen. Injuries happen, all that stuff. But nonetheless, I'm going to agree with you. I'm gonna, I gave it a seven. I'm going to say a seven. You got a lot of the same pieces back. You should be, you know, better at a lot of positions if you can stay healthy. You know, you missed Albies for a portion. You missed a lot of pitchers for portions. Um, you battled COVID with some guys for a bit as well. Um, so I personally think that, you know, some pieces moved, obviously. You're missing some. You're going to have some changes. But I'm going to give this group a seven. I think they can come out, figure it out, figure out the late innings, figure out early innings, figure out, you know, starters get their groove. Soroka comes back healthy, you know, as good as ever. Max Fried can continue once he finds his groove and gets into, you know, being able to stretch him out longer through games um I personally yeah I'm giving this group a seven I think they'll figure it out I think they have the ability to be right back where they were and finish the job honestly I think they can finish the job I think they have the ability to do that um can win that division for sure so um yeah I'm I'm as high on the Braves as ever I understand that it's it's a little bit of a scary proposition with the Mets being better the Marlins after making the playoffs last year um you know Philly's coming hard you know the Nationals expect to be good um so you're looking at a competitive division you really are but also things happen and and the Braves are a good ball club as well and they can make they're going to make things happen they have their guys back and I I feel confident in in their ability to win a lot of baseball games this year I agree um, but nonetheless, that's all we got. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for, for tuning in. Um, please be sure to check us out on social media, Facebook, um, the 404 forum, Twitter at the 404 forum. Um, that is the number four, number zero, F-O-R-U-M. Um, be sure to like and subscribe on Anchor, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Just search for our, the podcast name, the 404 forum. Um, let us know what you think. Tell us your opinions in the comments. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. Let us know what kind of things you want to you want us to get into. You know, we got football's coming back around, NCAA tournaments on the horizon. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Eric, for agreeing to be on and for for offering your services and your insight um it's always great to have you on always good to be on definitely definitely so thank you guys for listening be sure to tune in next week we'll be back same place same time um and that's all we got thank you very much